That was probably an introduction that I was not worthy of, but it led to Whitney tracking me down, I suppose, and I hid in a meeting room and she told me all about her plans to launch Bumble in Australia and I just genuinely believed in it and I guess I thought it was going to work. So I quit my job that day and have been full steam ahead ever since. Hey, welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where we chat to ambitious women about what it takes to become an overnight success. Huge spoiler alert, the overnight success does not exist. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Anna, and Maver. Now get comfy, fellow Lady Brains, and ride with us to Ladyland. Michelle Battersby is the classic definition of an entrepreneur. While she doesn't technically own her own business, she was tasked with the huge responsibility of starting and expanding US-born dating and networking app Bumble right across Australia. Headhunted by founder Whitney Wolf, Michelle backed herself and quit her job after a conversation with Whitney that she says completely sold her on the brand's mission to support and empower women. She's been on a whirlwind adventure ever since and in just two short years has achieved 2 million app registrations with no signs of slowing down. We sat down to chat all things Bumble and to hear about Michelle's new role as Associate Marketing Director of the APAC region. One of the first roles that I had that has probably helped me along this journey was actually in retail. I used to work at a surf store, but it was super competitive and we were all judged on how many sales we made, how many customers we served. But I think leading into Bumble, that sales retail background actually helped me out. And I worked there for five years um, all through uni, but was always pushed to make a sale. And I think it actually yeah, ended up helping me in the end. But I studied arts at university and then did a master's in HR and IR. I had an internship at Citibank and then ended up working in corporate banking for four years as an HR generalist. So I basically looked into disciplinary issues, Mm. hired, fired, (laughs) knew probably too much about people and yeah, yeah, then ended up at Bumble somehow. 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 Yeah, it's a bit of a difference. Yeah. (laughs) Just a bit. How did you stumble across this opportunity? A friend of mine referred me to Whitney. I had felt like I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing and that there was something else out there that I'd be better at. And I happened to tell the right friend, I suppose. And she's a pretty amazing person. She was head girl of my year, Ducks, got a scholarship to Yale. She worked for Anna Wintour at Vogue, actually, wow, as assistant wow. number two, like Anne wow. Hathaway in the Devil's Prada. I love that she has so many assistants, you know. Yeah. <laughs> number two assistant. Can't relate. Yeah, can't um, relate. But Whitney had actually reached out to her because she's super amazing Australian and probably someone you'd want to get to launch Bumble, um, but she wasn't going to be returning to Australia anytime soon. So she referred me and it was probably an introduction that I was not worthy of, but it led to Whitney tracking me down, I suppose. And I hid in a meeting room and she told me all about her plans to launch Bumble in Australia. And I just genuinely believed in it. And I guess I thought it was going to work. So I quit my job that day and have been full steam ahead ever since. That is just like right place, right time, right connection. Like what are the – that's like one in a million chance. It's insane. It's weird. Like I feel – I probably shouldn't say this, but I've always had this weird luck with things. Like 
opportunities have always kind of come to me at the right time, even internships and then job offers or I was interning at City and then I got another job at UBS and then I was poached back to City and it was always kind of these opportunities coming at the right time. And when I told my mum, she was just like, I'm really not surprised yeah. that this kind of thing happened. And a few of my friends were just like, of course, of course this is, it's you. Of course yeah, it's of course you. this happened. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know how, or maybe it's just being able to identify opportunities and just going mm. for them. But yeah, it was a lot of right place, right mm. time. And I guess I had started to think about what I was going to do outside of banking because I knew it wasn't for me. And I do think that when you open yourself up to opportunities or even just open your mind, like things tend to find their way to you. Um, And even just having a simple conversation, like if I didn't have the conversation about not liking my job, then my friend never would have recommended me to Whitney. Um, So I think also just not being afraid to start talking if something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Take us back to that phone call. Had you ever heard of Whitney before? So, yeah, my friend had said, do some Googling. So Mm -hmm. I started Googling, but I honestly hadn't heard of Bumble um, and I'd never used a dating app. So I was quite hesitant. I had said I would take the call and I was interested, but then I did start to back out a little bit and think, is this really something for me? But I hid in a meeting room. I can remember exactly what I was looking at. Um, I can remember so much of the conversation because I think when huge moments in your life occur, you seem to be able to remember like what you ate for breakfast that day. Mm. I think what actually sold her and what sold I is I had managed graduate programs at Citibank. Mm. Um, so hiring investment bankers and a huge part of Bumble's launch strategy was around university ambassadors and around field and community marketing. Mm. So I felt like some of the skills I had from managing those kind of programs were going to help me launch Bumble because I kind of knew how to go on campus and build these relationships with younger people mm-hmm. and get them to choose our bank over another bank. Right. Yeah. So that's what a lot of our conversation centered on and probably how I sold myself. But I do struggle to remember that part. <laughs> um, but what I loved most about what she was talking about was female empowerment and women supporting other women. And I think that's spoken about so much now, which is great, but a couple of years ago it probably wasn't as big a focus and I felt like that was something that I could relate to and that was going to work here. Yeah. So you walked out and did you instantly know that you were going to quit your job? Like after that call yeah. were you like, yep, I'm I done. bounced. I'm sold. I bounced straight into another meeting room um, and called my dad to talk about it and he just said you should quit your job today. So I did and I also didn't want her to keep looking for someone else. Because I was like, shit, she might, she might yeah, find she someone might better. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I sent her an email probably an hour later. I'd love to find the email actually to you see should. what I said. But yeah, I basically told her, I'll, I'll do it. So yeah, don't worry about looking. And then it all started. Wow. <laughs> so you actually quit your job before you officially got. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Something that as an HR person, I would never recommend. Yeah. <laughs> but I've actually done that to myself a couple of times. I, when I left City, actually, I quit without having another job just because I wanted to put pressure on myself to find something else. I mm. knew that I wasn't enjoying it mm-hmm. and I knew I'd be able to find another job. So I just resigned and found something before yeah. I needed. But yeah, I think when you have a little bit of hesitation, but you know you should go for it, it doesn't hurt to put a bit of pressure, pressure on yourself. And yeah. backing yourself, which is obviously what you're good at doing. Yeah, I feel like Bumble has been a lot about me just having maybe too much confidence. 
<laughs> I found the right person yeah. for the job. <laughs> yeah, because I don't really I, – I didn't have – I, I didn't have much mark or any marketing experience really to back myself up, but I guess with the grad program type mm. thing, it is a little bit of marketing, but you, I never really thought about it like that. But a lot of faith uh, and also just knowing and understanding the product and being the demographic I think really helps in terms of how you position something. I've just always thought I just want to make this a brand that I love and a product that I would want to be mm. on. So what am I going to do to achieve that? Mm. Yeah. So you quit your job? Mm. And you serve out your four weeks and yes. then you're officially at Bumble. Yeah, alone. Alone. Employee, employee number one. Working from my bedroom. Right. <laughs> yeah. In true like startup style. Yeah. yeah. What did you do first? Did you go to Austin and meet the team or were you here for a bit by yourself developing a plan? Like what, what happened? So I actually didn't meet anyone face to face until about, seven months in on a whole wow. company retreat in Mexico. Oh, well, that's not, not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time I met anyone. Um, but it was definitely working really closely with Whitney at first and her first three hires, Sam, Alex and Caroline, who are amazing. So I would just have calls with them weekly and consume every bit of information that they were giving me about how they started and what they were doing. At this stage, there were probably only, I don't know how many people, but there would have been under 10 employees globally at Bumble. Okay. Oh, really? So it's very small. small. Yeah. yeah. So I was, so I was hired early in that kind of growth phase, but then it blew up after that. Mm. So there's probably about 120 employees now, wow. two years on. But I think because I was in the early days, I was really fortunate to have that time with all of these people who are really mm. the brand guardians and that they created the tone of voice and exactly what the brand messaging was. And that probably gave me a lot of the confidence that I had because when I would have those calls with them, I mm. just agreed with everything they were saying and it was already my approach. So I felt comfortable in what I was doing and I, I was never really off in terms of what the direction was. Mm. So I think that helped in terms of backing yourself. Mm, but yeah. also I was just able to take a lot of the things they'd already done in the US and then reapply it to an Australian sure. market. Yeah. Uh, so that made things a lot easier. So I wanted to ask you, um, why do you think Australia was one of the early markets that Whitney and the team looked into and, you know, approached you? So Australia was growing organically. There'd never been any marketing done here and there was no one on the ground, but Australians are early adopters. So I think a lot of people had gone to the US and the UK and they downloaded the app and that was kind of what was building the traction over here. In the early days, that was usually how people had heard about the brand and why they were on Bumble. So there was a nice organic user base here to start not a big number, but enough to begin to look at in more detail. And so you said in in the early days you had calls with the core team and you kind of workshopped different ideas and, you know, they kind of gave you advice about what had worked for them in America when they launched. What were some of the strategies that you kind of took from their experience and adopted here and, and worked? One of the biggest ones was field. So in the US, they've got Bumble Honeys, which are basically cute. on campus. <laughs> so yeah, cute. very on brand, on campus ambassadors. So they do really small hyper localized events and they also do loads of on campus parties. But that was also 
difficult to apply here because in the US they have such an on-campus culture Mm -hmm. and everyone moves around and they live on campus and they've got Mm. sorority houses Mm. and it's actually what you see in the movies, which blows my mind every time I'm there. I mean, they're throwing parties all the time, so it's easy to, you know, yeah. Yeah, like they've actually got those Kappa Kappa beta or whatever they're called. (laughs) Sororities and fraternities, Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was difficult to apply exactly here because we have such a different culture. Um, you know, mm. most people just go to university here to get their degree and mm-hmm. kind of get out. Um, and we've got limited people who work, who live on campus, but we definitely did tackle, we, we definitely did focus on that and we, had around 30 university ambassadors um, and they would do little events with their friends and they'd spread merch around and we would get involved in all of the parties that we possibly could and it actually made a massive, massive difference um, because I think breaking down that stigma of online dating and normalising the use of an app to even make mm. friends with BFF, mm. um, it really does help to hone in on universities because they're always looking to meet new people. We've got loads of international students that might be looking to meet new friends. Yep. So that was one of the first things that we did um, and that definitely helped us establish ourselves in the right way. In the first seven months before you made it to Mexico, mm. what was the growth like? How many, you know, users had, did you have at that stage? So we quadrupled our downloads within the first 12 months. It's been two years and we just hit 2 million registrations. Wow. So crazy. Yeah, it's been <laughs> huge. I mean, the next million that we hit, that's 12% of the Australian population and we'll probably hit that sometime this year. So a huge, huge leap in terms of um, what the growth in Australia looked like and that definitely helped us because it meant that my team was able to really prove ourselves to the US in terms of what we were doing and um, it allowed us to really have a lot of creative freedom Um, Mm -hmm. and I think they really trusted us and that was how we were able to scale. But, yeah, from the first event we ever did at Bucket List, downloads on that day doubled and I felt like word of mouth really kicked in um, and that was in March 2017. Mm -hmm. So it was from that point onwards that I just felt like it just, that acceleration rate just kept on going. Yeah, it was a bit viral, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely gone through phases. I mean, at the beginning it was really big fish, little pond style approach. So really tapping into people um, who we may not know, but within their circle, they really have quite a lot of influence and working with brands that already have strong, trusting audiences to really position ourselves in the right way. And then it was more when we started doing things around Bumble Biz and we started working with huge ambassadors who are really successful then it was like, wow, I think we're really doing something here and people are listening and if these women all want to work with us, Mm. uh, this is really saying something about the brand and where it's going in Australia. Yeah. What's the split between the bubble biz and like the dating app, you know, in terms of your time but also the users in Australia? So because we launched as a dating app, that's where majority of our users are. Um, we see loads of people on BFF in Australia, mm. I think because we have so many tourists here. Um, so a lot of people are using the app to meet people whilst they're travelling alone and then continuing to travel around Australia with people they've met on BFF. 
But biz is where we see just so many high quality users. Yeah. Um, and I think that women really get it. Every time I go on biz, I'm so impressed by who's on there mm. and how they're using the platform. But I guess because of that three phase launch approach, um, majority of our users are still on dating. And mm. I guess that's the way we were known, what we were known for, for such a long time. Mm. How did you start to build awareness of the brand in this market beyond the university you know, segment, like what were the next steps that you so took? Definitely brand partnerships. Yeah. I mean, one really sticks out in my mind, which was something that we did on International Friends Day. So I think it was July 2017 and we partnered with Mon Purse. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mon Purse obviously have, you know, a female founder, a really loyal female-based audience. Yeah. Um, they were doing a lot of influencer and social-driven marketing at the time and we partnered with them on International Friends Day and had um, – a few influencers bring their best friend along and our registrations on that day honestly blew up. It still sticks out as one of the highest download days um, ever in Australia and I think that really showed the power of working with the right ambassadors and the right brands um, and just a real 360-degree style approach. You know, they launched a product range off the back of that event um, and kind of featured all the products that we'd seen on that day. But I think definitely brand partnerships Uh, are a huge part of how you can build an audience in the beginning because the reality is you don't have the audience. Not many people know about you, so you've got to work with brands that are well-known and brands that align with your brand values to to really leverage their their audiences. And how, what was your pitch to these brands? Because I imagine, you know, at that time, Bumble would have been relatively unknown. Yeah. Like, I was were actually, they like, what are you, like, who is this? What's going on? <laughs> I was speaking about this with one of the girls just before and I was trying to write a list of all the brands that said no to us um, because there were so many and I guess that's why I was speaking about the sales side of things because it really was like we were trying to sell this brand to people and they some of them honestly weren't that interested or didn't really think it was going to work. But... I also think, I mean, Mon Purse, they had done events with Bumble in the UK. So it always right. helped to leverage mm-hmm. the success of other markets. I yep. think that was one of the huge advantages that we did have is we could pull case studies from the US and the UK mm-hmm. and show people, you know, this is what they did here and this is what the results were. Um, and that was how we would really get it across the line. But I do think that brands that could understand the way we were thinking and that really wanted to come on and support a women-led business um they were always really willing Mm. to get involved and I think our mission has always really helped with that as well like we're trying to solve a problem in society and we're going about it in a unique way and a lot of people want to get behind that yeah and does Mm. that still fuel the partnerships that you have today yeah we always make sure that we're working with brands that align with our values um and even when we're working through partnerships the way that we work as a team and kind of what we expect from teams on the other side is that they are kind and respectful um, and we always have that at the forefront of our mind. And, I mean, on Bumble, you know, we don't have paid advertising. So when we partner with people, we are always looking to partner with brands that will add value back to our users' experience and journey on the app. So we are providing something of value now in return. You know, you can have we can we can do an event and promote it in the app. We can promote someone's business in the app to two million Australians. So we want to make sure if we're offering those kind of things that it's a money can't buy type experience and it's with a brand that aligns with our core values. Mm-hmm. In addition to Bumble's more grassroots campaigns and strategic brand partnerships, events is another huge focus for the Beehive. 
Last year, they ran a packed social calendar of events for their users and for the very first time appeared at the Spring Racing Carnival as a partner in the exclusive birdcage enclosure, utilising the skills of Australian female artists, florists and even DJs. I mean, Melbourne Cup was obviously huge and on Oaks Day we opened the birdcage up to our users and the birdcage is generally such an exclusive kind of premium mm. offering and it's you can only get in if you've been invited by a brand. Um, so we really wanted to flip that on its head and, you know, we were doing something that was so true. Well, it was really creative and on Melbourne Cup Day we only invited, you know, female entrepreneurs. Um, so then to open the space up to all of our users on Oaks Day was something that, you know, was really important to us. And we always want to give back to our users. Mm. Um, but I mean, at the moment, we're working on events that will be vertical driven every month. So there'll be a dating event, there'll be a BFF pop up like a blow dry bar or go get your brows done and have drink champagne with your girlfriends. And then there'll be panels or speed networking sessions um so i guess one of the most exciting things at the moment is our team has recently doubled in size in australia which means there's six of us um (laughs) but our events will definitely increase and we'll really um look to start tailoring by vertical offerings just Mm -hmm. because all of our users seem to love that and i think that's another point of differentiation for us i don't know many other social networking apps or dating apps that have these always on activations and Mm. events for their users that are free. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's what Bumble has done so well and credit to you is bringing the online and the offline together. Mm. You you don't come across many, you know, apps or, you know, online businesses that do that so well and create the community, those, you know, and people turn up to these events in droves. Like, I think that's also just such a reflection of the mission as well. You know, one of the big things for Whitney was providing a safe platform for women to meet people. And we've always been so aware that sometimes that can be scary or daunting. You know, if you're on BFF and you're looking for new friends, you know, we want to help people find those new friends. Um, so we've always been really encouraging of matching with people on Bumble, but then also providing opportunities Mm -hmm. for them to meet in real life. Um, So with these singles events and these BFF events, you can match with people in the app and then you can go together. And I think it definitely helps like if you're fresh out of a bad relationship and you're just stepping into the online dating scene, that probably would be pretty intimidating. So I think it would help Mm -hmm. having events where, you know, other singles will be coming and you'll be with loads of other people in the same boat. Um, that will make that experience more comfortable for you. Um, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about the Melbourne Cup sponsorship, (laughs) partnership event (laughs) that you did because it was pretty um, massive. Mm. Um, Talk us through that from like the very spark of that idea and how you kind of negotiated that sponsorship deal and pulled it together. Yeah, I can remember sitting at Fairlight on a rock with my best friend in the really early days and just talking to one another about what we thought the biggest moments on the social calendar in Australia were. Like what's the mm. what's the one thing that everyone talks about and that everyone is aware is happening? And I don't think there's anything bigger than the Melbourne Cup. And it is really a networking event. You know, there's thousands of people going there's people celebrating in other states as well not just Melbourne Um, and I think that everyone looks to see what's going on there so it had always been a target for us and something that I knew I probably wouldn't get straight away but I was so happy to be able to secure that within the first couple of years and we just saw such a positive result from it you know we 
could get really creative with our space. I think it screamed Bumble. It was positive. (laughs) It was loud. It was vibrant. But it was also really sophisticated and feminine on the inside. Um, And we tailored what we did each day to really suit our brand. And I don't think that's something that I've seen other brands do. Um, And then also to want to give back to our users was another huge part of it. Um, But we also made sure that we activated in the park, which is the general admissions precinct, just so Mm -hmm. we could really um, make sure we were seen by absolutely everyone who was attending. Um, And obviously that whole celebrity side of it plays a huge part. Every celebrity in Australia is there or wants to be there. Mm. Um, And for us to be able to work with Lara Worthington, Mm. I remember at the beginning talking about who was going to be our big ticket uh, celebrity that we got along and someone threw Lara out there and I remember thinking, I'm not sure. Like I actually wasn't sure if we'd be able to get her but she is a huge fan of Whitney and everything that she stands for. And I think it's just so important to have strong brand values and a mission because it just enables you to be able to work with really amazing people who also align with that. Mm. Definitely. Serena Williams, I'm just yeah. like, that's insane. Yeah, that one's That huge. was just unbelievable. I that think that's campaign. the power of Whitney. Yeah, <laughs> wow. We went, Let's meet Whitney. Let's What's she that. like? Amazing, honestly. Yeah. I feel sometimes like it might – I actually just can't speak more highly of her. Um, every time she opens her mouth, you feel inspired. She's just so trusting and I think she's an exceptional leader and she has definitely taught me a lot and I think that if she didn't trust the country leads that she has and the exact team at Bumble, then it probably wouldn't have been able to scale the way it has and I think that's such a huge lesson um, in how you do scale a business. Mm. You need to be able to recognise the areas if it's geographically, you know, that you're not familiar with and then tap into people who are um, because if you want complete control of all of that, it's probably not going to scale in the Mm. right way or be as effective Um, but also just her mission has been so clear from the start and we've never strayed from that, Mm. you know, Northern Star and I think that's so important. Like I personally try not to get distracted and I think that as we did start to grow, it did start to become quite distracting because it shifted from us pitching and selling ourselves to brands and people to an influx of all of these brands and people wanting to work with us and some of the opportunities can seem amazing um, or it's this big thing that you've been so aware of for so long and you kind of want to run to it and grab it and make sure that you're a part of it but it can actually really pull you away from something else that might be more effective or yeah just what might be right for the business Mm. so it shifted from a lot of sales to actually being more cautious of the opportunities that we Mm. take and I've heard so many people say give the advice you know say yes to everything but um I really disagree with that. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to be selective. You do. It's yeah. learning to say yes to the right opportunities. Exactly. I think you can probably say yes to more when it relates to yourself and just yeah. going for things. But, yeah, once Bumble started to grow, I felt like more of a gatekeeper um, mm. and really just trying to keep our brand messaging reputation and mm. vision on track. What does the team look like now? You said you've got six people and Mm. I guess your role's kind of evolved with the business. You've recently been promoted. Yes. (laughs) So tell us about kind of what the team is like here and then what opportunity you you now have with your new role. So the team was so small in the beginning. Um, It was myself just for a while and then my first hire, Charlotte, the first person who ever said yes to me. 
to start Bumble. And then there were three of us for probably about two years. So our roles were very all encompassing. You know, we would joke about, I'll just send you over to the head of finance. And it would be me <laughs> emailing someone about, off to Charlotte. And then Charlotte would be like, let me send you through to the head of digital. And it would be back to me. And yeah. we would just be, there, there weren't really lines. Um, and our roles had to be a mix of absolutely mm. everything. Um, so you had to be willing to get down and dirty and then also be able to kind of present to an exec team about what the brand is. Um, so our roles were pretty all over the place, but I think that's what you need. Um, and then we've now, yeah, we've got six people. So someone who's focused more on content, which is obviously a huge part of our strategy, Instagram, any kind of content campaign that we do out of home and all of our branding. And we've got someone who's more focused on partnerships um, and we'll kind of shift into more of our Australian strategy mm. um, and then a lot of event support. Mm. But it's definitely all marketing focused here locally with a bit of op support. Um, and then my role is shifting to look more towards our expansion into Asia, which is the next step for Bumble. So my role is more APAC and, yeah, Southeast Asia specifically at the moment. Right. So what do you think some of the biggest hurdles or challenges will be in terms of, you know, bringing the app to an Asian market? Definitely culture. Mm, um, yeah. I mean – I do think we're fortunate in the mission of our brand. Like I see kind of no end to what we can do. You know, we're looking to empower women in dating, friendship and business. And I think that can be applied to most places that we're kind of looking at at the moment, but definitely more tradition. I'm saying more traditional cultures that I'm looking into at the moment. So it's working out what that initial message is going to be. You know, in Australia, it was we need to break down the stigma of online dating. We need to detach ourselves from the apps that already exist here in the market. So we're going to push our differentiators and we're always going to talk about ourselves as a social networking app as opposed to a dating app. So now looking into these Asian markets, it's like, okay, do we? is it right for us to lead with date? Do we switch Bumble Biz on or do we not? Do we talk about ourselves as a dating app? Do we push biz more than some of the other verticals? Is female empowerment, is that going to work in that market or do we kind of need to shift our tone a little bit? Um, so our core values will always remain the same, but I guess that's the beauty of the creative freedom that we have and mm. that I've really felt in my role. It's really for me at the moment I'm going into those markets and working out what our message really is and how people are going to respond to it. So um, commissioning a lot of research at the moment and I'll look into the current behaviours and attitudes towards women um, and how women feel about using online platforms to meet mm. people and then I'll kind of go through all of that data and work out how we're going to position the brand over there. Um, but the good thing is I've now done it in Australia and New Zealand, which are definitely progressive, but I think I can just take a lot of that learning and what worked mm. and didn't work and then try to reapply what I can over there once I work out what that um, what key message is. is. Yeah. Mm. And so you commission someone to do all that that research or do you do that in-house? Yeah, commissioning people to do it just because we need it to be really um, localised. And how long do you think that process is going to take, analysing that and then coming up with your position and entering the market? The good thing is we we did it here in Australia actually not 
not early on though. We did it about one year in um, and it really helped because it also enables you to identify the need for Bumble and then you can really pull on that from a press perspective as well. Like when we did it in Australia, came back with 57% of Australian women feeling like they'd missed out on a romantic opportunity because they didn't make the first move. But then interestingly, women didn't really feel like it was the man's role to approach them. So it was like, okay, something's holding them back. What is it? But we're working through that process at the moment um, in Southeast Asia. But because we've done these surveys before, we also kind of know what questions um, to ask and then just work with local experts to make sure it's culturally relevant because there are obviously, you know, different issues to look into like class structures, Mm. availability to use the app um, and those kinds of things. What do you think is one of the hardest things about your job today? It's obviously changed a lot. One of the hardest things personally is probably just how much I care about it. Like sometimes I wish I didn't care so much. Definitely detaching those personal feelings from business Mm. um, is something that I've had to transition through, I think, because I was so early on and I was the first person here. You just feel such a personal attachment to what you're doing. So anytime someone would say anything negative about Bumble, I would take it so personally. Um, like trying to stop myself from having arguments with randoms on the street who wouldn't download Bumble. (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, when you've been at something from the early days, you do feel so attached to it and that can kind of skew your perception on things. So um, remembering to detach yourself from a business um, standpoint is something that I am focused on. But I do feel lucky at the moment in terms of how Bumble's going in Australia in terms of events, activations, press and things like that. What we're doing seems to be working, but my role is obviously pretty huge. So Mm. just managing my time, those kinds of things. (laughs) Must be hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what's been, what what is the most enjoyable part of your role? Oh, I was actually, (laughs) I was negotiating something yesterday and ended up getting the result that I wanted and was chatting to one of my team members about kind of the adrenaline rush you get when you feel like you've come out on top of something. But honestly, I do get a hit of adrenaline and I feel like I am on a high or something when we have managed to pull off some kind of partnership with a huge brand that we've wanted to do for a while. Or we have creative brainstorming sessions and we come up with an idea and we just go and do it. Um, I think that one of the most rewarding parts of our jobs at Bumble is we really can come up with an idea and then see it through in entirety and then we can look at those direct results and it's really really rewarding Um, but I love I, I honestly do love the executional side of it all my job is definitely more strategy and kind of analyzing what's worked and what hasn't worked but then I also am really involved in what those events all look like and how they're executed and I love that side of it. Mm. The birdcage particularly, I was really involved in how it looked and where everything was to the point of, you know, getting our construction team to move a bar from one side of the room to the other because <laughs> I didn't like the selfie light on one side <laughs> of the room. Um, so it's also, it's always really rewarding to, to see your yeah. ideas come to life. I want to talk about how you measure success. Obviously, there's downloads and users, but how else do you measure the success of, say, one event or, you know, something else that you – another activation that you've done? Mm, I think 
a lot of what we do is also awareness driven and that's really hard to measure. Mm. Particularly, you know, if you go do a huge out of home campaign, so like advertising on the Mm. sides of buses, it can be quite hard to see how that's actually worked. But I think that we definitely, you know, there's definitely an understanding in the business that doing those kind of awareness driven events, they do really help further down the funnel because they're helping to build brand perception and, uh, and I guess educating people on who we are and why we're different. Um, and the first, my, my first thing kind of coming into this role was always awareness. Like I knew that we couldn't really go in straight away talking about who we were and why we were different. We actually needed to have the brand recognized first. So it was about getting just your logo in front of the right people and doing some grassroots groundwork um, and then start to come in with the educational side of it all. Mm. And now that we've done the awareness and educational piece over the past couple of years, we're really going to switch the focus to more mission-driven events and more of our own Mm. owned events um, because we don't need to do so much of the partnerships and relying Mm. on other people's audiences anymore because we've achieved what we needed to achieve with that. Um, So, you know, things like in the UK, how they did – the film fund where they looked at data and, you know, the gender kind of inequality in that industry and then really doing something to tackle that is what we're going to start to look to do um, now that we're in a similar kind of position establishment-wise. Where do you see Bumble kind of heading in Australia and New Zealand in the next couple of years? Where do you see it going? I I still feel there's so much more to do. Um, You know, I love meeting people who still haven't heard of Bumble because I just think, great, you know, my work here is not done. I need Mm. to keep going. We still we still have so much more in the pipeline and we still need to continue to spread our message and I don't see an end to that really ever because I think we need to keep empowering women to go after what they want and just stay true to what it is that we're trying mm. to do. But I think the excitement really is in our expansion, you know, into the APAC market um, and launching in these new regions and continuing to educate people on who we are and why we're different and grow in that way um, is really where the kind of next challenge sits in our growth. And what about you personally? Oh, I just want to work at Bumble for as long as possible. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel so fortunate to work for a company that acts exactly how it says it does and where its internal values are exactly, you know, mm. how it presents itself externally. And I think it shouldn't be taken for granted to work with people who want you to succeed and who mm. are supportive of you. Um, and I think my whole team and I recognize that. And yeah, it's not something that I want to end. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm just floating on a cloud and I haven't really come down yet. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, you know, like reminding yourself to stop and look around mm. and just take it in. Totally. Like I remember at Melbourne Cup just grabbing Charlotte and just saying, just stop and look around. Like yeah. look, look at the people who are in here mm. um, and who are wanting to be in here and who are you know, just posting because they love the brand and because they want to um, and really absorbing all of that because I worry that maybe I'll look back and forget half of this one day and I never want that to happen. So I think it is super important to celebrate like big and small wins because it's just such a unique experience um, and something that we should all save in our memory bank. (laughs) How do you celebrate? Um, talking honestly, like we go out for a lot of team lunches. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's so good. But it's so important to switch off because one of the hardest things about working for Bumble is 
all of my friends know about it. So you go to just a friend's birthday and people want to come and talk to you about mm. Bumble, which is amazing. Um, but it means like you, f- I-, I feel like I'm just talking about it all the time, um, which I love because I do love the brand, but I also just love to have a conversation every now and again. It's not about Bumble. Um, of and I think my whole team feel the same. You know, all of our friends are really invested in the brand as well mm. because they were the ones who were supporting us at the beginning. Um, so just going to lunch, honestly, with the team to reconnect on more of a personal level and actually talk about what you did on the weekends and things like that, because we can be moving at such a fast mm. pace, um, is really important and does a lot. Who inspires you? Oh, well, I mean, Whitney obviously does, but to be honest, my team really do. Um, our team is super young and, the work that they execute honestly does inspire me and continues to challenge me because I'm like, these guys are better than me. Mm. I need them to keep needing me, so I better keep growing. <laughs> um, but I honestly am just really inspired by so many of the women who work at Bumble and definitely my own manager um, and a couple of the the women overseas. They're just so ambitious and switched on and sure of themselves. And I love being around people like that. Mm. Um, but also just any kind of female founder, you know, like brands like Glossier and like Kayla Itstina's. I don't even know if that's how you say her last name. Yeah. But companies like that where they've built this community um, and almost a cult following mm. from the brands that they've established, I admire those kinds of things. And lastly, what makes you happy? My my dog. <laughs> Common answer. That's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really so, simple. So basic. Um, what makes me happy? It's so bad to say like the reward I see from Bumble honestly is what drives me and I feel so much passion and happiness about what I'm doing and I think that's why I'm able to stay so committed to it. But aside from that, honestly, I love to just do simple stuff like cooking, spending time with my dog, family, friends, getting outdoors um, and really trying to switch off. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, lady.brains, and head over to ladybrains.com.au to find out more about our events and other cool things that are happening.